Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Well, we aren't in revival yet. It started. Seeds of it. Been sown. Plenty of people praying. I hope you're one of them. Because you know why? The revival in the strictest sense, in the strictest form of revival has to do with people who already know Jesus. That's the strictest sense. Revival means to bring back life, to revive life. When you, when you do CPR on a body, you're reviving that body, right? You're trying to get that blood to flow back. You, you're trying to get that thing to come back to life. When, when Christians step into revival, in the strictest sense, it's us coming to life again with our hearts and our minds and every fiber of our being aligned with, with God and our love for Him so that it would actually take effect not just in us because the fruit of revival is those in our community who don't yet know Him who would come to salvation because of us. We become this, this light. We become the salt that Jesus said we are. We, and when we're revived, when we come into this sense of revival, it's not that we just stay here with meeting after meeting after meeting of just being in this place. It's like we, we come and then we go. We come and we go. We come in, we go out. We come in, we go out. We, we're revived to life and the fullness of what it means to be in Jesus. And the fruit of that is that when we go out into the rest of the world, they look at us and they say, there's something different about you. There's something amazing about what God is doing in your life. And, and there the fruit comes is that people give their life to Jesus. Then communities start to change. Then whole lifestyles of people start to change. Society starts to change. Revival comes when people are consumed with God's presence. We just love it. We just love to come into his presence. And there's a link between somebody's hunger and God's presence and revival, which brings fruit to the lives of those involved. You see, the presence of God brings new life that aligns our our thinking. It reorients what we think about on a regular basis. It reorients the longings of our hearts, our desires, our passions, the the thing that motivates us. That's what God wants to realign. So we become about his business. And today, the, the thing I want to talk to you about tonight is that, that you just get hungry for the Lord. You just get hungry for God. It may come as no surprise to some of you that know me that I love food. Honestly, I love food. I really do. I have a confession that even during one of those worship songs, I'm thinking, I was thinking actually about breakfast tomorrow. That's how bad I am. I will think about food at the oddest times. I love it. But I'm not the sort of guy, I am not a fan of the dirty bird. Don't you, 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 you can buy me KFC and I'll be like, mm. I'm sorry, I know some of you, that's just blasphemous, I know. I, I, I don't get what people see in McDonald's, okay? I understand. If you, I, when you got little kids, you know, it's something about the attraction of, you know, the toys they give away and the playground they have. You know, it's convenient, yes, but it's not good food. 
It really isn't. You know, it's not, it's not that it's good the most nutritional food. It's not that it's the best for you. It's not that, it, sure, convenient, price point, you know, uh, all those other things. But, you know, I, I'm the sort of guy who loves the, going to a farmer's market. I love the fact that people take such pride in the food that they have that they just want to get you to taste some. A couple of years ago, I had the opportunity, I traveled with uh, one of my best mates and we went up to Vietnam. Man, we were in Hoi An and at one point of our trip and uh, we, we wanted to go on this food tasting tour. And so they came and they got us from our, our, um, our accommodation early in the morning and we headed, there's about 15 of us with a guide and we just headed straight for the markets, you know, and you're walking around a, a busy Vietnamese market and there's people and there's smells and sights and street vendors are starting to get their cook on and, and they're allowing us to taste little bits and pieces of stuff and you walk around, the smells just, you know, infused every part of your heart and your mind at this food heaven, you know, and you're, you're walking around, you go into that fish market section and you walk really fast holding your nose until you get to the other side or that you know what it means it's a fantastic experience anyway we arrive at the end of this tour after several hours of walking the streets like that and then we get into this uh, traditional Vietnamese restaurant and they bought us 40 different beverage and food tastings over the next couple of hours told us all about it I mean you understand what they're doing though right at this point, they are saying, they are so confident of their food. They are so confident that they will give you a taste of all this traditional, beautiful Vietnamese food because they understand that if you taste it, you're going to want more. When you walk out the doors of this place, you're going to go, I want one of those barmies. I'm going to go get myself one. I'm going to go find where the best one in town is. When you leave that, you're going to, you're a vermicelli salad. I just want one of those. I am going to go find myself. Where is that chili? I can smell. I want some of that. And it sticks with you because they know, they just know, they know, they know that if you sample, you're going to want more. David in the book of Psalms, he writes this and he, he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see. Taste and see. Just taste of God and see how incredibly delicious he is. Just how wonderfully delightful he is. If David is saying, I, if you just have one taste, I know you're just going to want more. He is so deliciously good that you only have to taste a small sample, but I'm so confident of who he is and how delightful he is. You taste him more and you're going to want more and more and more and more. Now, this may just kind of seem a little too transactional for our spiritual sensibilities, but it's nonetheless biblical, right? This is right there in front of us. He wants the presence of the Lord to be tasted. He wants to be sampled. Why? Because he knows he's the best around. Why is it then in our spiritual lives, we're happy to go for the convenient. We're happy to, to go for the non-functional, spiritual wasteland of McDonald's or KFC instead of going to what is truly nutritious, delicious and wonderful for us. I, you know... God knows how good he tastes. He just wants you to taste a little more. 
The problem is when you feed on stuff that's not him, when you feed on what the world has to offer, when you start feeding on, on that which is a, 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 a convenient, yes, but all too unnutritious, is that a word? I'll take it. I'm a preacher. I can do this. Unnutritious stuff that the world has to offer, it actually fills you up but not satisfies you. It gets you to a point where you think, you know what, I, I, I haven't got room for what tastes real good. I can remember, I've learnt my lesson now, but I can remember so many times just kind of not checking in with what's happening at home. I've just been really hungry. I just, you know, stopping for something. Oh, kebab, yeah, kebab would be good. I, I'm going to get myself a kebab. This used to happen way too often on a Sunday night. And I'd be heading home after a long day and I'd be thinking, you know, I hadn't had got any River Life Cafe or whatever it might be and I'm just busy running around or whatever and I stop and... I haven't checked in and, and I'll, I'll, I'll feed myself on something, you know, and you know, I'll, I'll arrive home and my wife will have cooked like this beautiful meal just for the two of us. I've never ever told her I'd eaten beforehand. I just sit down and like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm like, I'm just eating more, right? But it ruins your appetite. And some of us have ruined our appetite for God because we've settled for less than the best. See, we're called as ambassadors for Christ, these ministers of reconciliation, to share the gospel with lost people so they have the opportunity to be saved. And the Lord gives an anointing to empower us, to enable us to carry out his great commission, to go into all the world, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have taught you. It wasn't just a, a great suggestion. It's the Great Commission. It's not just an ordinary commission. It's a great commission. He gives us also this great commandment. Love God and love others. And to enable us in which to be able to do that, He wants to empower you. He wants to anoint you to be able to fulfill that which He has called you to be able to do. God uses anointed people to demonstrate his love to others. Now, early in his public ministry, and you read about it in Luke chapter 4, Jesus tells us what his mission is. He, he gives us this because he wants us to know that this is also our mission. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what Jesus was about. And because we are about the business of Jesus, this also now becomes our mission. And we have the opportunity to carry on with his mission. You don't have to die for the sins of the world. In fact, it wouldn't matter anyway. You don't have the ability to do that. That's what he did. That's what he specifically was said to do. But all the rest of the stuff, that's our deal as well. Because he lives in us and he wants us to be able to live out his mission. But we can't do that without the anointing. You see, the anointing comes from God. It comes from his inhabitation within us, the Holy Spirit's anointing upon your life. There is such a, a close relationship between Christ and his anointing that the two are almost synonymous. And we have this opportunity to carry his anointing. 
to fulfill our mission and commission as believers, we need, we need his anointing. In fact, Jesus said, you can't do anything without it. In John 15, verse 5, he says, you can do nothing without me. Without me, you can do nothing. I'm getting a little technical here on you. Do you know what that Greek word when translated means, the word nothing? Do you know what it means? Nothing. The translator's got it right. Nada. Zilch. Zero. Nothing. Yes, some of you just got offended. You think, yeah, you haven't seen my bank balance. You haven't seen my house. You haven't seen the car I drive. You haven't seen the career I've positioned myself in. You're saying, I have done nothing. You're saying, none of that counts. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Not just me. Nothing. There is nothing of eternal consequence that you can do by yourself. It is all up to what Jesus is doing in and through you by his anointing, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit upon you, in you and through you to fulfill his mission to go about doing the deeds, the works, love declared, demonstrated, these things of the great commission, the great commandments, seeing souls come into the kingdom, seeing his kingdom come near through you to other people. It's at that moment that the anointing is upon you for that very purpose. You can't do it without the anointing. You can't do anything without it. The anointing represents the indwelling presence and the power of God without really, like he said, truly, you can do nothing of lasting significance in the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter how gifted you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are. It doesn't matter how many letters you have behind your name. Without him, it can do nothing. If Jesus needed the anointing to carry out his mission, don't you think we also need the anointing? You see, the thing we miss when we don't come to fill our hunger with him is the anointing. When you lack a hunger for the presence of God, when you lack a hunger to be satisfied and desire in Him, when you lack that, you lack an anointing. You lack then the ability to fulfill the mission that He has set before us. So here's the million dollar question. How do we be full yet remain hungry? How do we be full yet remain hungry? How do we live in a place of abundance yet continually realize our need? One of the greatest paradoxes of the Christian life is how to be full yet still remain hungry. And when you live in a place of blessing, one of the things that's required is to maintain a hunger. See, hunger first and foremost requires humility. It requires admitting that we're in need. People will do all sorts of things when hunger hits. Pride falls away. Hunger drives a humility that allows us to go over after that which will satisfy. Hunger is a place of humility that keeps us in a place of dependency. 
Hunger is a place of humility that keeps us in a place of dependency. Hunger drives us to be dependent on God when we know the need that we have, and that requires humility. Last week when I was speaking, I just threw a mention out to the fact that uh, of the, the tsunami. Uh, I was talking about the, the, you know, the, Jesus being the rock in which we build on you know, his words and being doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Um, give us a wave if you remember that from last week. Okay, that's good. Now, um, I talked about the fact that we saw just such enormous devastation when we lived in India during the 2004 tsunami that hit. I mean, it was just horrific. I mentioned last week we traveled hundreds of kilometers to see, but we had about a couple of hundred staff that, uh, that we, we kind of rallied with to be able to then just start to meet the needs of people. You see, a couple of days in, some villagers were just, they, no one had been there yet. They had no drinking water. They had no food. They had no means to go anywhere else. They did not know what to do. They're poor, uneducated people who had no other way of doing They couldn't go fishing. They had no fishing boats. They couldn't get out into the water to do it. They were afraid to go there. They'd lost loved ones. They were grieving. I remember we, we just rallied people together and we, we actually just started to get the staff. We just got on the phone to Australia. We started getting finances. We started to just meet the immediate needs. We were working in the microfinance industry. What we wanted to do straight away was get these people back up on their feet with business loans, with you know, some free stuff that we give them to, to start their businesses back. If they lost their stuff, that we'd give it to them free of charge and just, just kind of get them back up on their feet. But what they needed immediately a couple of days in was just water and food. And so we just started cooking big batches of biryani and stuff and just getting fresh water in. And I remember one day I had like this little beat up old gypsy, Maruti gypsy. Uh, it's like a, a little, think of a Suzuki Sierra, but more like the Stockman version. It was, you know, like it was pretty ordinary. Actually had holes in the floor pans. And when the sewage came up, I'd lift my feet up and smell it kind of come through the floor. It's disgusting. Anyway, this is not the story. This is the story. I just get off that rabbit hole. Okay, so um, what happened was I took the back seats out of my car and we just filled the back of the car with food and with water and we drove to a village that we knew no one had been to. Just only a few, um, you know, it's probably only 40 minutes south of where we lived. And we drove into this village and, and the, on, on arrival into that village, it was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life, yet the most gratifying experience of my life. As we drove in there, people just came out of absolutely nowhere, out of the devastation, out of the barrenness. I don't know where they were living at that point in time under small tarps and other things. They just started to flock. They knew that we had something. They wanted something. They were starving, hungry by this stage. Three days in after the tsunami, they hadn't had clean water yet. They hadn't had any food yet. And people just started to come in. There were thousands of people just kind of pressing in on around my car. Um, Robert and I were sitting in the car and it was a bit scary because the car just started to rock, you know, as people just started to press on it. Both my side mirrors just got snapped straight clean off. It was India. I never used them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was frightening. But those people, you know, I could not get out of the door to be able to open the back to be able to get the food out because of the press of the, the human need, to the desire to want to press in and get that. You see, this, this whole idea of, of, of the scary desperation, the hunger that they had would drive them to do something that they normally would not act upon. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 30 says, People... Do not despise 
a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he's starving. People do not despise a thief if he's stealing because he's hungry. Back in Old Testament law, they'd have to still pay seven times back. But there was an understanding that God had made us to be a people who would step beyond a normal boundary when we're, when we're so hungry, when we're so in need that we would push beyond that. There's an understanding God created us in such a way that we'll be motivated by a hunger to pursue something we would not normally do. Hunger gives us a motivation. It motivates us to step out beyond what is the norm for us, the thing that we have become satisfied with. Hunger pushes us out to do something we would not normally do. And there is a huge motivational factor that comes with hunger. The richness of who God made you is found in the passion and the hunger that he wants to release in you. Some people have never experienced hunger for anything in their life ever. I have a nine-year-old who complains after 20 minutes of not eating. But in spiritual sense, when we've forgotten what it's like to be hungry, we don't rise to be the people God sees us to be. We lack the motivation to pursue him, to go after him. And I can tell you what starts to happen. What starts to happen is we just, we just start to live off yesterday's anointing. We just start to live off stale bread. See, hunger is a daily dependency. This is the paradox. We are filled with what God is doing and saying, and there is a level of being full yet not satisfied because there is a strange requirement for us in the kingdom to maintain a hunger, to pursue after God that keeps us alive and active in our faith. Hunger is a gift that God gives. How many of you have ever thought hunger is a gift? Man, I've never thought hunger is a gift. I've always thought, man, I'm hungry. I just want to satisfy that, right? But hunger is actually a gift. It's a gift given to you so that you might actually pursue the hunger. You might step outside of the bounds you've set around you to be able to go after that, which is maybe a little abnormal, to, to find satisfaction, to, to relinquish the hunger. It's an expression of what the Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit. It keeps us in a place of dependency. How much is too much? Now, too much is too much when it puts us in a place where we no longer need to have trust in him. Trust and faith, that's the currency of heaven. That's what God requires of us. He requires trust. He requires faith. And we need to maintain and remain in a place of dependency with God, even though we may have an abundance in Him. We have an abundance in an inheritance that we have in Him. We are sons and daughters of the living God. He's the one who does own the cattle on a thousand hills. He is the one in control of all things. Yet there's this strange paradox where He wants us to remain in a place where by faith and dependency we trust on Him. This is why when the Israelites are walking through the desert, God says, I'm going to give you enough manna. I'm going to give you this bread-like substance, this that's 
wafer-like substance that's going to come down out of the heavens. I'm going to give you the meat which the ravens are going to bring to you. This is going to be your food, but don't try to stockpile it because it's not going to last more than a day, except for the day on which you're going to be required to rest for the Sabbath. On that, it will last. What, a, what an amazing idea, right? Why did God do that? Because he knows the human heart that once we start to stockpile stuff for ourselves, that's what we're going to live on. And you know what happens? We have a whole bunch of Christians who are pretending like we're retired at 15. We've retired at 20. We've retired at 30. And we think we're going to live off a superannuation fund for the rest of our lives instead of hungering and thirsting and longing for the daily dependence on the manna that comes from God from heaven. We cannot live off yesterday's anointing. Yesterday's anointing was for yesterday. Today's anointing is for today. The anointing is there for you, for you being filled by the power of His Spirit to fulfill the mission that He has for you, this great commission, this great commandment. You cannot live off what was said yesterday. You need to be in it every day. Every day is something new for you. Every day he wants to do something through you. Why is it we want to go after stale, moldy bread? If you want to receive the empowering presence of God fresh every day to live in the anointing, you have to hunger for it. You have to have a real deep, desperate, yearning, hunger and thirst for the anointing. Otherwise, you'll never see it. Mild interest, lukewarm interest, that sort of attitude won't cut it. Why would God, the creator of the universe, want to desire to partner with somebody who treats his great commission, his great commandment, with an attitude that's lukewarm? Won't he be looking for those who are hungering? Won't he be looking for those who are longing to be dependent, who live in the anointing of what he has for them on a daily basis? You know, I, we all fall for this. It's so subtle. Yesterday, first day off in like, like a, a, I'm talking on Saturday. I've had, I had Friday off as well. I, you know, I don't work that hard. Um, I'm joking. I work really hard. Um, but you know, we're in between rugby season and cricket season at the moment. And I help coach both of those. So these are like blessed Saturdays right now. So I clean the house top to bottom. That's what you do, right, on your day off. I went outside, worked in the yard for four hours. It came to about five o'clock and Robin said to me, are, are you going to go to Encounter tonight? And I said, I don't know. Back's a bit sore, I'm a bit tired. She goes, what are you speaking on tomorrow? I said, hunger, hungering after God. She goes, you better get to encounter. <laughs> but I had to make a choice, right? Actually, I had to make the choice. I could have gone, no, you know what? God will show up tomorrow. I'll be there tomorrow. God does, just doesn't show up at encounter. He shows up everywhere, anywhere. I just get hungry tomorrow. I can't afford to live off yesterday's anointing. I had, to, I had to get hungry yesterday. I had to get hungry this morning. I had to get hungry this afternoon. We all have to get hungry. And you know how we get hungry? You stay hungry by eating. 
You see, in the natural, you get hungry when you don't eat. In fact, in the natural, if you went a day or two after not eating and you weren't hungry, then there's, unless you're fasting with a spiritual pursuit behind it, there's something wrong. There's a problem. Someone will take you and they will force feed you. They will have a chat with you. Because that's just not normal. But in the spiritual, in the kingdom, you know what? You get hungry by eating. That's every food lover's dream right there. You get hungry by eating. It's when we're exposed to more what God is doing and becoming increasingly hungry for the evidence of that to be in our own lives. When I see, when I hear of what God is doing, this is the power of testimony. This is why we have the story box out there. Because when you start to live of the testimony of what God's doing in somebody else's life and you realize, actually, that is the spirit of prophecy right there. I can, I can lay hold of that for my own life. I can take a hold of that. You know what? If things are seeming dry for you and you're not so hungry, start to get your nose in here. This is like a, this is like a nose bag for, well, for Christians. Like You put this on. You start reading through here and you're just like, God did what? This is amazing. But you know what that is? That's a response to your heart right there to go, I can do it again. I want to do it again. I want to do it again. I'm about to do it again. You know why? Because his eyes, they are roaming the earth, looking for whom and he might show himself strong. He wants his anointing on you. But do you want his anointing on you? There's the real question. Some people have said to me, why do you want to go to another healing meeting? Why do you want to go to another church? Why do you want to go and listen to those guest speakers? Why do you bring these guys in? Our our teaching's fantastic. Why do we need to bring in these guests from overseas? I tell you why. They carry an anointing. I want what they've got. When I see God at work healing people in the miraculous and the supernatural, as senior pastor of this church, I go, I want that for us. I want that for us. That's just testimony. That's just, that's more nose bag right there. That's just like, come on. I'll eat of that all day. Why? Because I just want to get more hungry. You can get hungry by eating and some of us just need to sit down at the Lord's table. Just need to choose to feast again. Here's some things you can do. Stay hungry. Cultivate an attitude of humility. That's the desperation for the need, right? <laughs> Used to be a guy, he's passed away now, had cystic fibrosis back in the 80s, his name was Dave Busby. He'd get up and preach on like a half a lung, half of one lung, you know. As <gasps> you go around, and occasionally go, sniff the cesspool. Be grateful for what God's doing in your life. You're a recipient of the mercy of God. Hallelujah. If it wasn't for his mercy, none of us would be here. That's the unloading then of his grace, his empowering presence into our lives. Just understand, just occasionally, just stop and be thankful. Breathe that attitude of humility into your life, that you're in dependence of God. Develop a secret prayer life with God. Become grounded in his word. Pray, pay attention to the promptings of your heart. Fast and pray. If you've never fasted, I challenge you, go. It's a great spiritual discipline. Don't do it for weight loss. That's not the point. The point is that every time you get hungry, you come to God. Oh, chocolate chip cookies. 
God of the chocolate chip cookie, I love you. I thank you, Jesus. And start to turn your affection to him instead of the cookie, right? And start to, again, thirst and hunger after him. Fuel your hunger with the testimony of what God is doing. Feed off the testimony, whether it be from the word of God, whether it be from other people. Get yourself and surround yourself those places and people in whom God is pouring out his spirit in an unusual manner and ways. Convergence. This is the advertising slot right there. Convergence. Get along. Serious. We don't bring these people in for just our beds, for all of our benefit. See, hunger releases the capacity to dream. It keeps us in a place of humility. It causes us to move outside of what seems so safe and settled and motivates us to go places we wouldn't normally go do, to do things we normally would not do. I believe there's a tsunami of souls coming. It happens and we get hungry. Because that's what brings the anointing. That's what brings revival. How can we expect those things if we're hungry, not hungry, if we're satisfied with just how things are? I believe God wants to bless us with a gift of hunger. I think he wants to do that tonight. Luke chapter 1, verse 53 says, He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Is that God's distaste for prosperous, prosperity and prosperous people? No. That's God's distaste for those who become satisfied with what they have and not remained humble, have not remained hungry. Are you hungry? Are you desperate yet? Are you to the point where you're no longer going to be passive about it? Are you so hungry, you're so desperate that in your heart you're just going to long, long for the Lord? You know, sometimes I talk to people, I ask, where would you like breakthrough in your life? And they say, well, I don't know, just wherever God would want. That is not a hungry statement. Passionate, hungry people. They're the ones that say, oh, I didn't know God was doing that. Let's get on that. That's awesome. God is looking He's looking for people in whom to make himself and show himself strong. I heard Randy Clark say this once. He said, if his eyes on this city today, would the eye of the Lord catch you crying out for him? God, let your eye fall on me, for I want to be totally yielded, Randy said. I want to be that person through whom you can show yourself strong. I want to be the coin in your pocket for what you, what you want to spend the way you want to spend it. I want to be the donkey you ride on. I want your glory to rest on me. I want to be the person that you clothe yourself with. I want to be mightily used in your kingdom. God, in my heart, I'm saying to you, please look at me and let your grace fall on me because I want to reveal your glory. Show yourself strong through me. That's a hungry statement. How about you? You're passionately in love with Jesus today? I've I, I got to be honest with you. I've been a pastor for 22 years. There's been Sunday after Sunday after Sunday where I've just come to church like it's a job. That's true. 22 years in ministry, at some stage that's going to happen. 
I, I, but I, I never signed up for that. I never want that. And sometimes I have to make a decision to get hungry before I come here. I'm tired as well. But you know what? When I make that decision, the tiredness goes. You know what? When I make the decision to get hungry, his anointing comes. That's how we've all got to be. Because the power of this church is not me dragging you along from up here. The power of the church is you going out those doors tonight into the city tomorrow, scattered way out through there with his anointing on you. I'm stuck here with a bunch of holy people. You can get out and mix it. You've got to be hungry. You've got to be hungry. We need a desperation, a hunger that we just don't yet have. But the choice is ours. We need to be hungry. See, see people come to know Jesus. We need to be hungry to see miracles and signs and wonders. We need to be hungry to see the gospel go forth and, and bear its fruit with salvations. We need to be hungry. And my prayer is that God would release a grace over every person in the room right now. Would you, why don't you, if, you go, if you just got a, a stirring, it's just like, you know when you smell bacon and you go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting hungry. Anyone else with me? I've got nothing for you, vegans, I'm sorry. I don't know what it's like to smell something delicious on that scale. But go with me. If in your spirit right now, from what I've just been preaching, it's like smelling bacon or halloumi, whatever, and you just go, you know what? I want more. Stand to your feet. I want more. I want to remain hungry. I want to remain hungry. God, there's a grace in your house tonight. There's a grace for us here right now, Jesus. For every person in the room, a divine ability God given right now, we ask. In your Son's name, Holy Spirit, come. Make us hunger for what we've never hungered for before. God, we're pulling on heaven right now. We want this environment to be that environment. We're hungry people. We're, we're asking for a greater reality of what it means to be hungry for you. To see the anointing of your Spirit upon this church in greater measure. Increase our hunger, God. Not just for a person, but for what God you've purposed to do through a great group of people right now. Let a grace come upon us, Holy Spirit, and start to fill us with an insatiable appetite, a hunger. Start to move on us. Holy Spirit, quicken hearts. Quicken a longing. A thirsting, a hunger. God, release a grace that you, we might remain hungry even while we remain blessed. To remain humble while we're in that blessed position. To remind ourselves of the need to have your anointing to be filled constantly by your empowering presence. God, let us hunger for the lost. God, increase a compassion in us to be about your mission. We too would join in your mission. We'd bind up the brokenhearted. We'd release the prisoners. 
Those who have been spiritually captive now, God, give us a hunger when we see them on the bus, when we see them on the train, when we see them at school, at university, when we see them in the desk next to us at work. Give us a hunger, God, to display your kingdom. Give us a hunger to operate in the ways you would want to at that point in time. Lord, fill us with an insatiable appetite for you. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.